Hi, I'm Connie, and this is From Chaos to Peace with Connie, where I explore, sometimes solo and often with a guest, how a few minutes a day can keep the chaos away. And with chaos, I'm talking about the physical, digital, social, financial, mental, emotional, and spiritual clutter that can accumulate in our life. Well, hello, my friend. Welcome, welcome. And thank you for allowing me back into your ears. How are you doing? This is episode number 123 of the From Chaos to Peace podcast, where you learn how a few minutes a day keeps the chaos away and how clutter is so much more than you think. (laughs) And today we're talking about emails, business emails, and how to write them that they are addictive and people actually want to read them. So we're not creating digital clutter and filling up their inboxes. For this topic, I'm very excited to welcome Bobby Klink as a guest to the podcast today. Bobby helps surf-first online entrepreneurs build lasting businesses that they love so that they can support their families and truly serve their audiences. But he didn't start out this way. He's actually a Harvard Law grad turned entrepreneur. And he built now a thriving, multiple six-figure business, selling the most boring thing ever, and that's his words, (laughs) and he's selling legal templates, and he sells them primarily through email. In the process, his emails have built a cult following because they're actually really fun to read. People have even compared his sales sequences to murder mysteries that you just can't put down. Now, Bobby has distilled his email wisdom into a snark-filled book titled Email Marketing That Doesn't Suck, set to be released on May 3rd, 2022. And his book reads like his emails. His personality jumps off the page as he makes an otherwise really dry subject entertaining to learn. In this conversation with me, we do talk about his book, but also how he figured out how to make emails fun to the point that your audience wants to receive them, even the sales emails, how most people have a misconception about what marketing is, how a life coach helped him switch from being a lawyer to being an online entrepreneur, what really is important to know about your audience and potential clients, and how and why TV shows can help you understand storytelling and how you can use that in your weekly emails. Make sure you stay all the way to the end when he gives an awesome tip that you can apply not just to your weekly emails, but also to your business and even to your life. Okay, without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Bobby Clink. Welcome, Bobby. I'm so excited to have you as a guest on my show. How are you today? I'm good, Connie. I'm excited to be here. I think we're gonna have a great conversation. um, Because, you know, why wouldn't we have a great conversation? Exactly. Why wouldn't we? (laughs) So I do have an international audience. So my first question is always, where are you located in the world? (laughs) So I'm in Washington, DC in the United States. So I'm in the Eastern time zone. It's it's that weird time of year in Washington right now where our weather alternates between nice and not so nice. <laughs> <a very> nice. <laughs> 
Well, I think um, th that is a little bit common here. It's the same. And I am originally from Switzerland. So we always say it's like April weather does whatever it wants. And it seems like it's a little early this year. So we have two. We have every weather you can imagine in one day. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're that weird period where our air conditioner kicks on and then our heater kicks on and then our air conditioner kicks on and our heater kicks on. It doesn't know what to do. Yeah, exactly. So we're talking today about a book that you wrote, um, which is email marketing that doesn't suck. And um, I want to talk about that. But first, I want to talk about something else, because I know you're a lawyer and lawyers are about as loved as accountants, which I am. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, did you switch into marketing and writing about email marketing to be more the cool kid on the block compared to being a lawyer? So no, I started my online business and I was helping, I was selling legal templates and doing training about legal stuff. And so that's how I started. It was literally just transitioning from being a lawyer into having an online business selling a, a scaled product that way. But as I did, People kept asking me how it was that I managed to like build connections with people that seemed almost like, like I, I never met them in person, but they seemed like a friend. And so they were trying to figure that out. And so because of that, I, I created a membership called the Fans First Society, which was a way for me to uh, help people figure out how are they going to create and, and build a thousand raving fans. If, if you've ever heard, there's the, the notion of a thousand true fans. And so it was built based on that. And that was a, a traditional membership where I would do Q and a, and I, I would, would answer stuff, but I also did a, a training each month. And so I would do trainings each month. And at the beginning I had my own view of what I was doing. I was training on a bunch of stuff, but over time people started asking me about email and wanting me to do email. And not just did they ask me about it, but what I realized was when I did trainings about email, I got the most people watching and we would use those trainings as a way to promote our, our membership. And those are the ones that the most people signed up for. And so I realized that that's what people wanted to hear from. And it was all because I just figured out a way to make email kind of fun. And part of it is, look, if you sell legal templates, you know, if your product is that boring, you better have some marketing or something that's not boring. And so my emails had kind of taken on that role. And also I had in a world where everybody's saying, oh, you got to launch, you got to do this big production and you got to do all that. Well, at the time I still, I had individual legal templates that people could buy, but I had a big pack. Now I sell it all, all the time, anytime people want it. But I would only sell my big pack during limited open cart periods but I didn't do webinars. I, I did a webinar, a big launch the first time. And then talking with people, they said, well, I need your product, but there's no way I'm showing up to a training about the legal stuff. I just want the templates to solve my problem. And so I, I, I leaned into that and started just doing email only launches. And I would send a series of emails over a week and make money. And, you know, it was just predictable as clockwork that this would happen. And so because of that, People were asking me all these questions. So I decided I, I created a course originally called Badass Email Marketing, which was my first signature course about something. And it was really meeting a need that people had and people were asking me. So that was kind of my thing. But, but separately, I'll just be honest with you. It's not about being a cool kid, but at some level, the legal stuff I help people with, it's pretty simple. It, it, it's, it's also kind of boring. I, I'm naturally a thought leader when I was a practicing lawyer. I was working on some of the most complicated, you know, technical cases out there. 
And, you know, the legal templates that I sell people really aren't that complicated. And so at some level, I, I started geeking out on marketing. And I love marketing. And so I've, I've gone deep into that. And that's kind of how my now I sell my legal template business, but I also have a, a business coaching marketing um, business where I help people with that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. But so how, how does a lawyer even know how to write badass emails? Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and no disrespect at, at all. And I know you can take yeah. you can take the snarky note because it's like I'm an accountant. I hear a lot of stuff too when the day is long. So so the answer is trial and error, honestly. So what happened was when, when I was first in the space through 2018, I I did I did it all wrong. Now I didn't do it all wrong in the sense that at least I was emailing people all the time. I didn't just not email people and then randomly start asking to buy from me, which is what most people do. But I was sending the classic weekly email that most people send, which is um, I, I would put out a podcast every week. And so I'd send an email in this week's episode of the podcast, we we're talking about X and it was just boring. I mean, it was a, a recap. No one ever, I don't think I ever got a response. I don't think I ever got a reply. And if you think about it, think about it with podcasts, especially that's not even how people like, consume a podcast. It's not like they're going to click on a link in an email to go listen to a podcast. If they're a subscriber, they're already subscribed and you know, but it, it landed in their email box. And so it was this interesting thing that, that was happening. But what I found was it, it all started, I was at, a, at an event for entrepreneurs back in August of 2018. And there was someone, uh, Tarzan Kay, who was my first email mentor. She talked about telling stories in email, that you could do that. And she gave that presentation. Well, at that event, also a really funny thing happened, which was it was an event put on by Amy Porterfield. And I had been working with Amy and her team about legal stuff and helping them with that. And so the night before the event, she had this big old photo line where people were waiting in line for, I don't know, 40, 30, 45 minutes to take a picture with her. I was hanging out with these people. It was a get together from a big online community. We'd never met in person. So I was just having a great time. I get to the front of the line. And um, the number two in her business was there. And so I knew her. So I wanted to take a picture with her as much as with Amy. So we take, a, we take a selfie and I chat with her. Then I go chat with Amy, take a picture. Then the rest of the night is a blur. I get back to my room and that event was on the West Coast. I live on the East Coast. So I was three hours behind where my wife is. And so I'm scrolling through these pictures on my phone. And I see that that, that selfie I took with her number two Amy is in the background photobombing me with her tongue out, like, you know, just being ridiculous. And it was a hilarious picture that almost made me laugh out loud. So I text it to my wife just without a comment. And then I wake up the next morning to a response from my wife that is a one line. Why are you sending me pictures of you with random women? Because basically to her, all she's seeing is me having a grand old time with, with you know, and there was only women in the picture. You know, while she's at home at the time, we had a, I don't know, four, four-year-old, three-year-old, something like that. And, and so I was like, oops. And, you know, I, she knew I worked with Amy, but she just, she didn't know what Amy looked like. She didn't know any of these people. So to her, it was just me sending a picture of, you know, me having a grand old time with a bunch of women, which was not great. But so when I told a friend at the event about that, that that had happened, she looks at me and she says, I think we know what your next email has to be. And so th the next week I sent my first ever story-based fun email. And when I did, first of all, the open rate was way higher, but it wasn't just the open rate. I got responses. I got replies and people were replying saying it was hilarious. I brightened their day. I gave them a smile. 
Uh, the subject line was in quotes, why are you sending me pictures of you with random women? Ironically, I don't have a lot of men on my list, but I had the most responses by men ever to that email worried that they had actually been hacked and were sending me those pictures and I was responding. But uh, at any rate, it was a fun thing. And then the next week I sent another email. It was not a grand story, but it was a story. And after that one, again, it had better results than I've been getting in the past. And someone responded and said something along the lines of, I've been on your list for a long time. And this is the first time I feel like you're a person, not a company. And it's the first time I've wanted to do business with. And I like to say I have many flaws, but one of my strengths is that I am imminently trainable. I'm like Pavlov's dogs. When I, when I got that positive reinforcement, I said, I'm doing it. And so I just started writing emails and changing my perspective instead of like making these emails into a big thing, just telling a story and having a, a way to enjoy myself. And, and yes, I still told people, oh yeah, by the way, in the podcast. And the story has some kind of hook that I can bring into the podcast somehow. But I started doing that and writing emails all of a sudden was no longer a chore. It was fun for me to do. And people started to love it. And, and people would subscribe. I have a lot of people on my email list now who are subscribed with multiple email addresses because they know that they've been tagged a certain way because they bought stuff. And so they won't be getting the promotional emails on that email. So they want to, they actually want to get my sales emails. And so they'll sign up on a different email address. And so it became this thing where people were just wanting to do it, but all through trial and error and just being willing to try stuff and think outside the box. But also I, I think the big shift I made is I quit thinking of email as a sales tool. Yes, we use it to sell, but I think of it as a connection tool as the, the, the most powerful way I have to connect with my audience on an ongoing basis to let them in on my life. And um, in a sense, I, I say my weekly emails are something akin to um, Bobby's meandering walk through life. And, and sometimes it's about marketing, sometimes it's not. I mean, I've sent emails about getting an email from my daughter's school about, uh, light, about there being a confirmed case of lice in her class. One of the emails that I would send at various points when I did webinars, my, my last call reminder before it was, was a story of right before I was, I was in one of my friend's weddings and right beforehand, his father pulling us aside and say, say, we're going to go to the bathroom. And we said, we don't need to. And he said, you never pass up an opportunity to go to the bathroom. And so I literally say the best advice I ever got, also a 10 minute warning. So I'm literally telling people, go to the bathroom now because we're about to have a webinar. You don't want to have to, to miss a webinar. So I just found these ways to bring these little tidbits from my life and show my personality in emails. And that's what made email fun for me, but also fun for the people who are on my list to read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could, I can totally imagine for sure better than these weirdo canned yeah. business emails. Um, and, and I would imagine, especially if it comes from somebody who sells legal templates or, or is a lawyer know that if they come come across more funny then people are listening up i would i would think like the world lost an awesome lawyer in a way no with you being in marketing now because um because of it but so one thing that i you were generous enough to send me the book and i read it and it's awesome uh, we talk about later but one thing that i was missing in the book a little bit that i wanted to ask you about is so how is your process because it's like i would imagine you maybe have to collect somewhere these cool stories for later or not or they just pop in your head or how do you connect or how do you know 
what story to connect to a podcast episode that is coming out and, and stuff like like a little bit more than nitty gritty. So yeah, and, and, <laughs> and the book, so the book, and, the, and just to, so that you're clear, the reason why I don't cover all the nitty gritty in the book is because I now have my email course for free. And so I, I always tell people, think of the book as your, your high level overview. And then I'm going to tell people, go sign up for the course for free and you can take all that and get the nitty gritty. But to answer your question, this is a place, this is also something where, where part of my evolution as a marketer is you'll hear me, I speak in less absolutes than a lot of people do. And the reason why is what I realize is that we are all unique human beings. And, and as a result, we will have a different process. And, and so I don't know if, I don't know if you geek out on personality assessments and things like that. I do. My favorite is the Gallup hands down because Unlike most of these personality things, which maybe have 16 different types, Gallup has 34 strengths, I think, rated in order. And ch the, the chances are that there will be less than one other human being with the same ranking as you in the same order, which is a pretty amazing thing. So it gives you a lot of true insight. Well, when you read my Gallup strengths, and so like, then there's like, they have descriptions in it if people haven't taken it. And like in those bullets, those are unique. When you read those, it talks about how I naturally see connections between seemingly unconnected things and how I naturally tell stories from my personal life that relate to my, my work and business. And literally, I was like, were these people like looking over my shoulder as I was reading emails? No, I mean, this was something in my personality. And, and I use that to say, I don't need a story journal. I can come up with it, but most people will. And what I tell people to do is, is the way to think about it is think about the themes that you're going to want to get across in, in your content. And so for me, I'm often talking like about in my content. Now I'm often talking about how the standard advice is bad, is wrong, is things like that. And so there's just kind of a rebellious streak about that. So if I were doing, if I wasn't good at telling stories as, as I am about coming up with them, I would say, okay, I need to make sure that I collect categories of stories of me rebelling and it working out well, and also of me following the standard advice and it not working out well. And the trick here is not about business because the real beauty is when the story isn't directly related, it can kind of help people to understand it. And so, you know, it could be for me, like rebelling against like uh, the standard practices when it comes to, to financial advice, not that I do, but I'm saying that would be an example of a place where I could talk about it or, not being like other people when it comes to how I brew beer, which I do for fun. So those would be the types of things I'd come up with. And what, what I tell people is the way you write it, these emails, you write them backwards. You start with the call to action. What is the thing I'm going to tell them to do? So if it's content-based, it's okay. What is the content? And, and then I say, okay, what is like the, what is, what are some messages or lessons out of that content? Then you have to say, okay, what is a story from my life, which has the same kind of thread? And like an example of this is I was, I was speaking in someone's um, group coaching program or mastermind. I don't remember which. And, and one of the women, and again, I, I have no, I, I have no opinion about whether this is true or false, but she teaches her, her women, uh, people that are her followers that judging men based on their looks is a mistake. Picking the pretty boys is a mistake They're, that it doesn't end well. That was her point. And so she's like, oh, so I should tell stories about when I did that, when I picked men and it didn't end well. So you could, but that's, if they already believe that, if they already relate to that story, that's not going to do any good. Instead, why don't, why don't you pick about, think about times that you, you know, you bought 
a car that looked good, but was a piece of junk or bought shoes that looked great, but were so incredibly uncomfortable that you couldn't actually use them. The point is to bring these other parts and other analogies that will help people understand your general concept. And so those are the types of things you're doing. But what I'll tell people is, as you do this, you get more and more comfortable with it. And you get more and more like it just comes naturally. Like now I'm at a point I can sit down to write my thing and I'm like, okay, what was this week's podcast about? Okay. I'm like, oh, that's the theme. And then I can write a story. And in 15 minutes, I send that email out uh, and it's got a story, et cetera. At first, it's not that easy. At first, you'll have to work on it. It might take you an hour, but over time, it gets easier and easier and easier. And candidly, Connie, sometimes I literally say to people, I'll tell a story because it's just too good. It's something that just happened to me and it's too good. And I'll say something like, I, I don't know. I don't think this really has anything to do with this week's, this week's podcast, which is about X, Y, and Z. And every time I do that, I'll have, I'll have people respond and say, oh, it actually does. Here's how. They'll, they'll tell me how it relates, which is hilarious that that happens. But, um, you know, it, it's just a chance to, to, to not overthink this. I, I say, don't worry too much. Um, just, you know, have a little bit of fun. Yeah, I love that. And thanks for that explanation that um, helps me a lot. And I'm a little bit rebellious, too. So I probably should show that a bit more. <laughs> yeah, I have no problem showing that everybody knows that about my brand, just that I am very much a, you know, everything about my branding says to you that I'm a rebel, that I'm different, that I'm, I'm, I'm doing taking a different viewpoint. And um, that's another thing, like a, a cool little tool if people want it. Um, I would search for Jungian brand archetypes. So Jungian, J-U-N, like Carl Jung. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff about that, about how you can like understand, I think there are 16 of them. I think, yeah, there's 16 of them, but, but it's the same type of thing. And you can start to see the role that your brand plays. And mine is a classic rebel with a bit of jester mixed in. So it's rebellious, but I'm also funny. Um, but once you understand that, it'll help you to find your voice and things like that. That's not about email. It's just marketing generally, which I love, you know, geeking out on that stuff too. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, so I'm in, into, uh, you may snicker now, but I'm into astrology and Young actually was also into astrology and all these archetypes have actually to do with the chart. And so this is my geeking out um, with personality tests. So I did all kinds of personality tests. And I find when you actually look into astrology and these archetypes, they are much better because they show really who you are at the core and not so much how you're conditioned. And you know, like as a lawyer, you're conditioned a certain way, as an accountant, you're conditioned a certain way. And when you do these tests, I feel like that sneaks in unconsciously often. So yeah, so well, and that that, that is a that is an, an important like an important distinction for people to hear is that, and I've heard this most people and when I first would take personality tests, I think I was not good at it, but, but very few people have a self-awareness and can distinguish what their natural things are and, and the way they do it. And also like, for example, if you do um, Myers-Briggs, so the, the, the MBTI and, and introvert versus extrovert, a lot of people confuse being shy with being an introvert. I'm what's called a shy extrovert. So I get my energy by being around people. But you know what? If I'm in a room and I don't know people, I'm the guy who's in the corner. I'm not the guy who goes and starts conversations. But once I know people and, you know, once I'm in, a, in my people, oh, I am, I get energy. I'm energized by it. So a lot of people don't even understand it. So most people will, will do best by getting um not doing it themselves by working with someone who actually administers and can ask deeper questions and really, you know, dig down. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it's true. A lot of people have the wrong results because they're, 
Yeah, yeah, because they answer how they think they need to answer yes. how they right. <laughs> like, how they think they need to answer or the conditioning or things like that. But again, the way I look at it is in some ways when I looked at my um the, the Gallup so the top two were, were in, and if you've taken Gallup, there's different domains. The top two were in strategic, so st uh, strategic strategy and ideation, which basically say, I'm thinking like multiple steps ahead and I'm having lots of ideas. I was like, yep, I've always been doing that. But then there was a bunch that are all communication driven, like self-assurance. Um, self and it's hilarious that that comes up because my friends used to literally refer to me based upon like when I was in high school about having a big ego. So it just makes sense. I mean, it was picking up on that thing and influence and, and communication. Well, I've been public speaking since I was 15 years old. And I said, oh, that's probably why I rated good. But my friend who's actually Gallup certified coach said, well, did you ever think that maybe you went into something that was about public speaking because you naturally have communication skills? I was like, oh, Oh, maybe, but you know, it's, it's always a mix of both. So you, know, you have to take it. Yeah. I, I did that Gallup and I have ideation as well. And I have innovation and I forgot the other one. <laughs> but yeah. That one is a very interesting one. Yeah. But so let's talk a little bit about your book too, because I found it was so funny, especially always with the thought in the background that's written by a lawyer. So your first chapter is called, let's start pissing everybody off, yeah. which is really awesome. And, um, and then it was interesting to read that um, you learned marketing from your life coach. And this is also something funny, no, because a lot of people are still mocking life coaches or whoever has a life coach gets mocked. Yep. <laughs> so how, how did this uh, happen with pissing everybody off? So, I mean, I know it, yeah. but my, my audience doesn't know it. <laughs> so what, what, that, what that chapter was really about is like, and again, this was partly, I am this rebel. So I'm, I'm obviously, I'm often talking about what's wrong. And what I found is the best way for me to explain it is in this online marketing world, what most people are calling marketing is one very small segment of marketing. And it's just not, most people aren't doing marketing and they, they, they kind of have a misconception about what marketing is because when most people hear marketing, they're thinking of what would be called marketing communication. So the communication piece of marketing of ads, of that stuff, of messaging, that's part of marketing. But just as much a part of marketing, just so you understand, the first part of marketing is figuring out what product to create in the first place is part of marketing and, and creating the right product to meet the needs of your people and then serving them and figuring out how you're going to deliver it and how you're going to do all these things and build all these relationships. And so part of what I was trying to do is reset because I think the reason why most people struggle with email marketing is because what they think marketing is, is selling and advertising. And so if that's your framework, you think, well, email marketing should do that. And I'm like, no, no. Email marketing is about all of these things. It's about a much broader concept. And so I was trying to get people to step back. And I don't think, I mean, I didn't even tell this, but the, the, the life coach had, had this important like impact on me so that people know I was, when I was a practicing lawyer, just to tell you the story, I was a practicing lawyer and I had my own law firm and I was in my, I don't know, late thirties at the time, I guess. So this was about 2016. I was just kind of in the doldrums. Like, Ugh, eh. I didn't know what was wrong, but it was just like, Ugh. and so I started working with a life coach and we started, she was asking me about relationships and, um, and she was asking me about relationship with my wife and my friends and all that. And, 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 so she was doing that. And then after about six months of doing all that stuff, and then she asked me a question on call. She said, well, do you like what you do for a living? And 
she explained that that she felt that that was part of it because, um, and again, her thinking, not mine, by the way, I, I just, I don't have an opinion on this, but she actually styles herself as a relationship coach for men. So she has a very good niche. She like, she says, I help men improve their relationships with their wives or long-term significant others. And she said, look, we have to dive into your work because with men, especially satisfaction with it, the, with their, their professional life often like bleeds over to satisfaction with their relationships. Again, I have no idea whether that's true or not. I have no idea whether that's true of men and not women, but she presented it that way. So she asked me the question and I said, I stammered for a while. And then I finally said, well, no, I don't like what I do live, do for a living. So first time I'd admitted it to anyone besides my wife. At that point, I mean, I'd been a practicing lawyer for 14 years. I'd, I'd gone to Harvard Law School, graduated with honors, done all these things, had the kind of resume that most lawyers are like, wow, this is great, but I wasn't really happy. And so then she asked what, what I call the ultimate question next. And, and I joke, life coaches, they'll never just let you wallow in self-pity. They, they, they. So she says, okay, well, what are we going to do about that? And so she asked me that question. I said, I had no idea. And so we talked it through and she was the one who came up with the idea. She said, I could see you. And her first thought was, I could see you going on to podcasts or radio shows and providing legal tips and education. And she probably said advice. It's not legal advice to be clear. Anything I to say online can never be advice, but she would say, she said that for entrepreneurs. I was like, huh, that's an interesting idea. I'll think about it. Well, by the time we had our next call two weeks later, I had hired a podcast booking company to book me on like 40 podcasts. I had no product at the time. I had no idea what a product was going to be, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to get out there. And so I took action. And I mean, so I, I do like to say if, if for people who end up learning from me, you should thank my life coach for people who are annoyed by me, blame my life coach. Cause you know, it's all her fault. Otherwise I'd still be a boring lawyer. Um, but she started me on this path and that was it was to the early 2017 is when we had that call. I was working with her in 2016, but 2017 is when we did it. And so the first three quarters, I guess, or probably March or so about of 2017 through November is all I was, I was getting out there. I was building my audience. I was, I was trying to do all these things thinking I was going to launch an online course, which I had the, um, I think I have the honor of saying that my first failed launch is the, the, the grandest failure of anybody I've ever heard of. I'd spent about $50,000 on trying to build this online business that year total, but about 30,000 of it directly on trying to launch this online course between ads and software and someone to design the slides and all the different things. And when I, I did this launch, I, I knew I was like, man, that webinar was fantastic. And by the way, I watched the webinar. Good. It was a really good webinar. I did a really good job on it. Even today, I would say I did a very good job. I got off. I expected I was going to log in at the time I had ClickFunnels. I was like, I'm going to log into ClickFunnels and I bet you I'm going to have lots of transactions. Nobody, nobody had bought. By the end of the, the promotion, one person bought for 600 and something dollars. And she ended up asking for a refund on day 29 of a 30 day, no questions asked refund policy, never having, having even opened the product. And so like, I like to say, there's a lot of people who have failed launches, but I don't think a lot of people early on are dumb enough to, to spend 30 grand on a launch like I did. <laughs> of an unproven product. So don't do that. Um, but that was when I was trapped in this view of, you know, I'm going to do funnels and it's just going to work and I'm going to make all this money and it's going to be great. Learned a lot since then. But that's what we're told. No, I was like, I, I'm in this, this room too. And that's exactly what we're told. And, and, um, 
and, and I like I like the title, so let's piss everybody off. Another thing that I really liked was too is when you talked about the silly ICA um, exercises, which actually was one of my tripping points when I heard. That. I mean, I mean, I have my own business since '98, yep. but in the online world, everything is a little bit different than in the offline world, as you also know. So when I came across that ACA work. Um, ICA work, I can't speak today, then uh, I, I, that tripped me up. And you're talking in your book about it, how it can be dangerous, but for a different reason. So for me, it was dangerous because it stalled me. So I got stalled and I'm like, I don't read magazines. So how the heck shall I know what magazine these women are reading? I don't watch that much TV. So what the F shall I know what TV my ACA watches, ICA watches. So I was really like, that's, that was the danger to my business. You're talking about a different danger. And, and I think I like that about your book. You're really kind of like, it's so down to earth. And yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's what all the gurus are saying, but actually, yeah, <laughs> actually. So, yeah. That ICA thing, that was one of those things. I, I don't know. I think I did. I did a podcast episode about it, I think at some point, and it was like, it was one of my most popular ones because a lot of people struggle with it. And so for listeners who don't know, I mean, there's this, we're taught to do this exercise where you identify your ideal customer avatar. And like, you figure out, you literally give them a name and you figure out like, you know, you figure all the details. So, I mean, I did all this work and I said, again, I don't remember what her name was, but I don't remember now anymore, but let's say it was like, her name was Caroline. And she was a she was a 28 year old woman who was married with two kids. Her husband still had a job and, you know, it was all of the stuff. And she watches these shows, she reads these magazines and you know, it was all of this work. None of which does a, a, a bit of good. That's not, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like I, I don't need to know that someone's 28. And, and I think I literally even said, and she has green eyes because people tell you to do that brown hair. And I'm like, yeah. And what she does for a morning routine and all this BS. And I, I can, you know how you have these defining moments in your life sometimes where you actually can remember everything. And I still remember sitting on this desk here, <laughs> this same desk, reading what I had to do, trying to come up with all this stuff. And, and it's just, it derailed me big time. Right. And, big time. and so the, the danger, like to me, that there's a couple of dangers. One, it could stop you, but the other danger is People do this surface level work and think that's the work that matters. And, and that's not, I mean, it doesn't matter if my ICA is 28 or 38 or 48. Now there might be some distinguishing factors in some age groups about certain things, but what really matters is what is she struggling with? What, what is holding her back? What is it that makes people say, I don't want to do email. Email sucks. Understanding that stuff is what matters. And again, some of the other stuff, like I joke about, I do a lot of pop culture references. Well, I'll be very clear. If I surveyed my audience, I, I feel quite certain that they would say like the real housewives is probably the TV show that they watch the most. Well, I'll be very clear. I think that show is what's wrong with everything in this world. And so like, and I've said this publicly, even though I've left it, but I'm like, for me to pretend like, and the way it's taught is, oh, so you'll be, you'll talk about that. I'm like, no. I'm not going to talk about something that doesn't work. It just, it would be weird for me to do those things. I mean, there, there's separate levels of problems, which is in the online world, we're taught an ideal customer avatar. Well, real marketers don't think that way. They think of buyer personas, multiple, not one. There's lots of them. 
and they think of different segments and they think of different people. But what, what you have to do, the real work you have to do is understand what are the real pain points, the struggles, the frustrations of your people. And it won't be one. There will be multiple groups and you'll have to group them, put them into segments. And then also the next level is what does success look like? What do they really want? What are their goals? And, and how can you describe that in a way that makes sense to them? But it's not by doing, you know, filling out a, a silly little worksheet that someone gave you as part of one of these online courses, which everybody does. And I'm like, okay, well, you know. Yeah, they all do. And they all say, if you don't, if you don't do that, you can't have a business and you can't market. And yeah. <laughs> so yeah and again, I just I, like, so the, the thing is that the, the problem is that the real valuable stuff gets lost in all of the details. So like, for example, I heard one of the, the first things I ever listened to or, or, or got into in the, the marketing space was uh, Entrepreneurs on Fire, EO Fire podcast with John Lee Dumas. And he's described at various points when he did this work. And again, he's done some of the silly stuff, but the important things is he recognizes that his person often isn't someone who's doing this full time. And so he says, they're going to listen to this on their way to work or on their way home. That has implications because it says, okay, that says something about how long my podcast should be, right? It should be something that a typical commute someone could listen to, right? And those are the types of insights that could matter. Yeah. But and it could matter how old the person is if you... If you if your service or what you're selling has something to do with age, for I was just thinking of uh, like whether or whether women have children or not children, that might be interesting. Or what age the woman is, if she can like you don't want to sell I don't know <laughs> uh, fertility pills to fifty year olds or something like that, you know? Yeah, that and I mean sometimes sometimes the the, the social platform that that people are on could could matter based upon age, but. Also, national, like not nationality, but where you are. I mean, there's some place like in the United States. In the, I don't want to say nobody uses WhatsApp in the United States, but nobody really uses WhatsApp. Where a lot of places in the world, WhatsApp is a very active part of your, your channel. So understanding those things matters. And again, age is like, you know, it it could matter in some sense of understanding that, you know, if you're speaking to people who are like literally 21 and 22, I don't want to say that they're not going to use email, but email may be less effective. Than other stuff. Whereas like for, for people, me, I, I'm 43, about to be 44. And so for me, email is still my primary communication channel. And I, I, yes, I do social, but email is still the best way to reach me. And so those types of things matter. And, and again, it's, it's the same thing, like even demographic, demographically, my audience is probably 85 to 90% women in my audience. But it's hilarious because at some point, I don't remember, this was like three years ago, four years ago, I had some company running my social media. And because they identified that my audience was women, they were posting a lot of pink stuff. Well, that's just weird for me, a guy who's kind of scruffy, who's, who's kind of a rebel to be posting a bunch of pink stuff. So again, this is an example of where you have to understand your audience, but at the same time, live within your thing. Now, that does matter in the sense that, I mean, I recognize it and, and it's not just gender, but like there are things like I re recognize there are things that I'm interested in that other that most of my audience isn't. So I don't talk about those things. But, you know, you, it's not that I hide them. I just, you know, I'm like, well, that's not going to be relatable. But that's the bigger thing is understanding where the common connection points. And that can be like the ICA work could be useful in that way. Like if you understand that your audience watches the same TV show, show as you and you can talk about the TV show. Cool. But that's like way down on the order of priorities. So with that out of the way. <laughs> 
<laughs> we still we still figured out somehow who to talk to and now we want to bring it back to email no that's what your book is all about and we want to talk a little bit about your book and so um when I read your book, there is a lot of reference also to TV shows. So do we need to watch TV if we want to uh, send emails? No, of course not. It's just a joke. But so how how would you um, say that, for example, TV shows are, are um, an important, where you can imp learn important things about how to structure your emails or how to to show up as a person yeah and so what i look i make a lot of references to tv and, and movies because that's my per, that's what i like um because i read so much for my business of nonfiction, i don't read fiction books that, that's not my thing it never has been i, I watch TV. what's time for that <laughs> right i mean i watch tv and i watch movies like if i'm reading a book it's a it's a non-fiction book for me to learn for me to do stuff so depending on what it is, like, I don't care what your thing is. Like you should, first of all, getting back to the story and, and figuring out how to tell stories. The best way to do that is see how other people do it. And I think TV is a, in a lot of ways, the best example. So if you watch TV, start noticing things and it will help you to understand the psychology of how to tell a good story and how to do it the right way. And, and, and there's various things there. Like I had this realization, which I'd been teaching these story-based weekly emails from before the pandemic. My, my course, I all right, well, yeah, I'd been kind of teaching it and then my course was actually released during the pandemic, but I'd already had my thinking and, and I was teaching that. But I never quite realized why. I thought, well, maybe story-based emails instead of a newsletter are better just because they're more interesting, they're more fun, et cetera. Well, you can write a fun newsletter that, that captures personality. But here's the big thing. When, when you're using your emails and telling little stories about your life, what happens is you become a character in your audience's life. And, and I analogize this. I said, I, I had this realization because back in the day, before streaming services, before all of that, I remember when a TV show ended, I would just be sad. And I didn't, I mean, it was like, did I think there was never going to be another good TV show? No, I always knew there would be a good one. But all of a sudden that part of my life was over, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Like these characters had been- You lose family members. Right. I mean, there's people <laughs> who've been part of my life were, were all of a sudden gone because the TV show was over, right? And so, so I thought, but I thought, you know, I'd never really thought about it until the pandemic because I was streaming these shows that, I mean, there were so many different shows. It wasn't like I, I, I knew very clearly, hey, I could just watch it again or there's something else. But there was this difference, this finality- and I realized, oh, I'm not going to have that person in my life, or at least a new story from them in my life. And that's the void. Well, I had this realization that when you do weekly emails that tell little tidbits about your life, you're almost positioning yourself that way so that the people who are reading, like, again, and I don't, I don't want to make it seem like we're all going to be as cool as like, you know, as addictive as, as TV, but there is some bit of that, which is that people are like, they don't, they want to get your email because they just want to know what's happening in your life. And, and you become that kind of character and a recurring thing uh, in their life. And so there is power in doing that. Now, you don't have to watch TV to learn this. But other things I would tell people is there are like other things, like, like as you get more advanced with storytelling and things like that, you'll start to kind of have re re recurring tick characters other than yourself who are, are playing a particular role. And so, for example, in my emails, I am, I'm the comedy 
And then I will have a person who's like in the comedy routine, the straight man, but it's, it's always a woman. It's either my wife for a long time would roll her eyes about silly things I would do or my team members. And so it's kind of like they are the, 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 the normal compared to my zany antics. And so having that can be useful and just having these other characters. And this is something that when people really want to geek out on email and storytelling, you can really geek out on this stuff, which just to be clear, I didn't do that before. Like I didn't have any of this. I've really kind of gone in and, and learned how to do this over time because I think it's important. And then also you can have like just little recurring themes. Like um, for people who, who know the show, there's this TV show called Columbo. It's not on anymore, but it was about this detective who seemed to be kind of bumbling, but always got the right solution. Well, he wasn't bumbling. Eventually he figured out that he, he clearly knows what he's doing. And I like to say that that's kind of, other than my antics, that's the most common role. I talk about how I just lucked into stuff in marketing. And I, I, I tried it at work, but people eventually figure out, well, you don't luck into stuff all the time. He must know a thing or two about marketing. So it's kind of a way of saying that subconsciously. Now there's a, there's other little like Easter eggs from that. Like people who know Columbo who understand that that's the character I play. Well, in the TV show, he always talked about Mrs. Columbo, but you never met his wife in the entire, yeah, whatever it was. 30 years that it was on TV. Again, it was, it was not every season, but you know, it was on TV and you never met Mrs. Columbo. Well, it's the same thing with my wife. I talk about my wife, but I've never posted a picture and I've never even posted her name, like written her name in an email. It's just my wife. She exists. The stories I'm telling are true, but it's a decision that, that, that kind of we've made that she'd rather me not talk about her. And I don't post pictures of my kid. And so, but it's kind of a, it's also this parallel that people have picked up on. That I'm kind of like, like in, like in Colombo, there is a, there is a Mrs. Clank and she didn't actually take my last name, but there is a Bobby's wife, but you never meet her. And so it's one of those funny little things, but these are the more advanced things that, that you can really have fun with when you get into it in a lot of fun. And now people like my number two, Katie, who's my integrator, they like her way more than me. Anytime I ask them to weigh in on who's right, her or me, it's always in her favor and always against me. But that, that I think is I've attracted a lot of people who are smart Alex like me. And so I'm asking something, okay, I'm going to, I'll show you Bobby. <laughs> well, uh, I think we could talk forever. Um, but like, so if people wanted to learn more about you and your emails, where would they find you? Like, what is your f preferred social media platform? So I mean, as we learn, we need to be on all of them. That's another one of these guru things, but I'm pretty sure you're not on all of them. So <laughs> yeah, and you don't you don't have to do that. What I'll tell you is that um, I am most active. I, um, I have a Facebook group, which is where I'm most active, which is badass online marketers. But uh, if you are going to choose a place to just interact with me on social, it would be Instagram. And I'm just at Bobby Clink there, but also just my website. You can find all kinds of good stuff on bobbyclink.com and bobbyclink.com forward slash email is where we're going to have a bunch of resources. Like uh, when the book goes live, there'll be a bunch of resources, swipe files. Um, we're going to have things like, like better than a template things to frameworks, to help people write emails and all that stuff to, to, help with the implementation like you were talking about back at the beginning so that's a, a good place for people to go as well oh that's awesome so i will put the, these links in the show notes mm -hmm. although sometimes i think like nobody looks at show notes even though we are all told to write show notes <laughs> and nobody looks at them but <laughs> so any last words 
maybe words of wisdom or uh, some Bobby hashtag Bobby honesty or hashtag Bobby snarky comments for my audience. So, I mean, my, my big comment is like, don't like, don't worry about waiting for it to be perfect and, and don't, don't expect it to be perfect. Um, be willing to suck for a while. And, and it's going through the suck that you'll stop sucking. It, it's, it's being willing to put yourself out there and try things and just get going. I mean, again, the, the big thing, what I, what I found is that, especially now in my business coaching, when I see the people who just kind of succeed and like me, right. Just like that, it's, it's often because we're the people who we're the bull in the China shop. We're just, we're taking messy, imperfect action constantly. And not, I mean, I like to say 90% of the stuff I try doesn't work, but you know what? People forget about that stuff. And because I keep doing stuff, that 10% really does add up over time. So just get started, get, just get doing stuff and things will be better. Awesome. Last words. Thank you very much. I'm not saying much more. Thanks so much for your time, Bobby. And, um, I'm sure everybody looks forward to your book now and will run there and buy it. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Okay, my friends, that was my conversation with Bobby Klink and all about how to write addictive weekly emails. If you want to find out more about Bobby, his legal templates and his book, Email Marketing That Doesn't Suck, check out the show notes where you find all the links of the things we were talking about. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today and listening all the way to the end. If you found value in what Bobby and I were talking about, please share it with your business besties, because if you found value in it, they will too. Have a beautiful and amazing week, and please subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you next time. Take good care and be safe. If you enjoyed this podcast episode and want to go on a journey from chaos to peace in your home, office, files and finances with me as your guide, opportunities to work with me one-on-one -on -one are available. Go to connygraph.com to schedule your own personal Clutter to Clarity chat. We'll see if working together is a great fit. That is connygraph.com, C-O-N-N-Y-G-R-A-F.com.